0: Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. So today we are in week two of our sermon series called The First Letter. And what we're doing in this series is we're taking a five-week journey through the earliest known Christian document, the first, or excuse me, the book of First Thessalonians, to see what it is this ancient text has to teach you and I about becoming better, more faithful followers of Jesus in our time and place. So to to get into what it is that 1 Thessalonians needs to teach us this morning, we first need to spend some time talking about the dreaded E-word. You guys know what I'm talking about when I say the E-word, right? Well, for those of you who don't quite get it, the E-word among a lot of Christians is evangelism. And the reason we call it the E-word instead of just calling it evangelism is because going out and telling others about Jesus makes most of us very, very uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. And the reason it makes us uncomfortable is because of our experiences of either being evangelized or telling others about our faith. For example, the default image that always comes to my mind when I hear the word evangelism, which I know is not right, is the bullhorn guy. And you guys know the bullhorn guy, right? The guy who stands at some busy place in the world, and it can be anywhere, and proceeds to tell everybody who walks by that you're all going to burn in hell if you don't believe in the Jesus that we believe in. A great modern-day example of this right here in our state is the Westboro Baptist Church, and for those of you who are not familiar with this wonderful group of people, um, these are the people from Topeka, Kansas, who travel all over the United States protesting events, and their favorite phrase is saying, God hates, right? So it's God hates, fill in the blank with whatever it is they're angry with in the moment. And what is making this even worse is, is these guys have gotten to the place where they're now protesting the, the funeral of soldiers who have died in combat, or, or protesting the very people who have given their lives, sacrificed their lives, so that these people have the right to protest, right? Which is a very ironic thing to think about. Another thing that comes to mind when I think of evangelism are not only those awkward experiences um, we've all had with Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses knocking on our door, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about there? Although it's kind of entertaining for me. I'm like, oh, sure, come on in, let's talk. (laughs) But I think about those times also when... I personally was asked to go door-to-door in neighborhoods around the church that I was serving to hand out tracts to people, try to strike up a conversation with someone I didn't know, see if they wanted to talk about Jesus. I mean, just thinking about these experiences for me causes my stomach to churn because of how uncomfortable and weird that makes it for everyone involved. And even more than that, I can't tell you a single time that I've got to witness, I'm sure it's happened, but I haven't seen it, where this kind of evangelism did anything but kind of push people further and further away. It made them feel weird about Christians, or even as a devoted member of this family, devoted to Christ, and you guys know I'm in this thing. When I see people doing this form of evangelism, it makes me embarrassed, not only at how awkward it makes everybody in the room feel or wherever people are at, but also by how oftentimes the people who are doing this misrepresent our God in so many bad ways, just making it worse or doing more harm than good. How many of you, if you get really honest with yourself, want nothing to do with evangelism if that's what evangelism is all about? Right? Okay, so for those of you who aren't, we're going to meet up after church today and we're going to go comb the neighborhood. <laughs> and you got to talk to everybody in the church or you got to talk to everybody in their homes, right? Okay. So can I get a show of hands again? <laughs> But here's the good news. Here's the good news. There's actually a much, much better way to do evangelism, uh, which has been going on since the beginning. And to show you that, let me walk you through Paul's method of evangelism, starting with kind of the big picture, and then getting into the weeds regarding what it looks like on the ground and, and, how that, and what that means for our lives. So according to many scholars that I've read on this topic, generally speaking, the method that Paul seems to use as he was traveling all over the Roman Empire is he usually picked a city that was a central hub in a particular province of Rome. In that city, he then chose a synagogue, a synagogue being the place where the Jews go to worship. And what he does in those synagogues is he gets permission to preach or he gets permission to speak. And given his um, background, right, as a Pharisee, he's, he's kind of got what it takes to be a great speaker in those times. So they're like, sure, come on and tell us. We'd love to hear new things and all that stuff. So once he's in front of all those people on a Sabbath morning, he then goes on to try to show them how God sent Jesus into the world as the Jewish Messiah And the Savior, or he takes that as his opportunity to share this good news. And the reason I share that with you is because Paul wasn't just out walking the streets, you know, finding everybody or or gathering people around. No, he had a specific method. He had a specific way to go about sharing his faith. And then what we know about how this method worked is that Paul was usually not real successful at convincing a majority of the Jews in the synagogue in fact, this is usually where things went south and he would end up getting run out of town because of how angry it made the people in the synagogue. Now, where Paul seemed to find his success was by convincing a few Jews along with quite a few god And for those of you who are not familiar with god they talk about them in the book of Acts. And God-fearers are those people who used to worship Other gods, you know, or the many gods in the pagan world, but have now chosen to worship the God of the Jews by attending and being a part of the synagogue. But here's the thing they're not quite willing to do everything you have to do to become a Jew. For example, and I think you guys get this a Roman man who attends a synagogue to worship the Jewish God, but is not willing to be circumcised, that is a God fear. And I can't say that I blame him either on that deal. Have you guys thought about what that would look like? No? Okay. So there are people who attend, but they're just not willing to commit completely on that deal. So what Paul then does with this small group of Jews and God fears, and if you're picturing a whole lot of people here, that's not what the historical evidence shows us. Basically what he does with this small group of people is he starts a church and he usually starts it in someone's home. So there's not a building or anything for this. This is meeting in people's homes. And what he does, is he begins to teach them about who Jesus was, what he came to accomplish and what it means to live as followers of Jesus. And then finally, after Paul spends a significant amount of time with this new church teaching them everything that he can, after setting this foundation, he then leaves that place to travel to another Roman city and to do it all over again, or to keep doing this thing that God has called him to do. All the while telling that community that he has started, that it's now their turn to go out into the area and tell others about Jesus. But here's the amazing thing about that. That doesn't seem like a... a, Great way to go about spreading the gospel, right? It doesn't seem to be that effective and all that stuff. But, but what history shows us is against all odds, this movement just takes off. Like, like a little spark you know, catches fire and begins to take over. It just takes over the Roman Empire. It's one of the most successful movements in the history of the world, eventually becoming the official religion of Rome in the year 313. And, and then even today, right, there's over 3 billion people on the planet who claim to follow Jesus, and it started with one person or excuse me, it started with one person and then began to spread like wildfire and and Paul is a part of it. Okay, so that's the big picture view of Paul's method of evangelism. But now that you got the big picture, let's zoom back in to see how Paul went about evangelizing these Thessalonians by getting into the specifics of how it actually worked and why it worked in that way. So the the best place for me to see this is in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, and 8, and it says this, Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Now, basically what Paul's doing in this particular section of the letter, the the bigger part here, is he is explaining to the Thessalonians how he and his companions didn't just share the gospel with them for selfish gain or deceptive motives, but he was doing it first and foremost to glorify God and then to help them. And even more specific than that, the reason he gives for why they shared the gospel with them, which we oftentimes miss, is because of love. Love is the foundation of all this. Again, because we loved you so much, right, because we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And this, for me, is something very, very important to get when it comes to understanding Paul's method of evangelism and then what it means for us. Note that it starts with love. It starts from a place of love. And love for Paul was not just this warm and fuzzy feeling with rainbows and unicorns, right? It was a way of life. It was a way of following Jesus at the deepest levels where he was all about working towards the spiritual, mental, and physical well-being of others. And how that plays out for Paul is that evangelism was not about winning a contest or about seeing how many souls he could save to brag to his friends. And it wasn't even necessarily about the numbers or fear tactics. No, the motivating factor behind why Paul had given his life to traveling all over the Roman world was because of love. And that changes things, right? Or maybe to zoom in a bit more. I believe because of the experience that Paul had with Jesus, you know, the Damascus Road experience, for those of you who are familiar, and how that transformed his life for the better, how it transformed his life forever, he was basically trying to take that, this thing that had changed his life, and share it with everyone he loved, with everyone he encountered, because he wanted them to find what he had found. Or to get this, just take a moment and think about an experience you had that changed your life, right? Something that you now look back on it fondly because of how much better it made things. Take a moment and think about that moment, that event, whatever that is. Well, now that you have that experience in mind, I want you to think about how you responded after it happened. And that, did you just keep it to yourself It was just your little secret? Or did you find yourself chomping at the bit to tell everybody you know so that they could have the same experience? So that they could be transformed in the exact same way. Well, the truth is in almost every area of life, when we experience something that that makes our lives better, we become evangelists for that thing. Or if you guys remember last time I walked you through evangelism, I, I talked to you about Hey Dude Shoes and how I become an evangelist for Hey Dude Shoes, right? In that not only are they lightweight and some of the most comfortable shoes you'll ever wear, but you can also wear them to work. So it's like a win-win situation for everybody involved. Can I get an amen from all of my Hey Dude friends? Yeah, right? You have no... I think there's 20 people who've come to me and said, hey, we bought Hey Dude shoes because of your sermon and we love them. I'm like, well, you didn't get the point. Go tell people about... Anyway. So basically because Of the difference that shoes made in my life, I was all about sharing that good news with with people I love and care about so that they could have the same thing. So for me, I believe that is exactly what Paul is doing here. He had this event, this encounter with the risen Christ, where he found exactly what he was looking for. And because of how that changed his life, he couldn't wait to tell everyone so that they can have the same thing as he has, so they can find Jesus. So in one sense, what I think we're being taught here about what evangelism is supposed to look like is I don't think God is calling us in this day and age to go to the street corners and yell or to go door-to-door intentionally just strike up conversations in awkward ways to tell people about Jesus. No, what I think God is calling us to do is in the same way we can't wait to tell other people we love about something that has made our lives better. That's how we go about sharing the gospel. Or to get practical. When you see someone you love struggling, Take that as an opportunity to tell them about how your faith in your God has helped you through the most difficult and hard moments of your life, which is something they could have too. When it comes to a friend or a family member who is struggling to find their way, and in this day and age, there are a ton of people looking for purpose and meaning out there. Tell them about how you found purpose and meaning and even a sense of joy by choosing to follow Jesus. And even if that makes you uncomfortable... If you run across a friend who feels like they're missing something, that, that needs something, take a moment and tell them uh, about this church and what it means to you and how these Jesus people walk with you through the good and the bad times and how you never do anything uh, alone. And then how even though the pastor is average, he tries really, really hard. You're not, so the thing is, you're not supposed to laugh at that. So there's, there's, there's parts that you laugh at, that's not one of them. You're, you're supposed to go, no, you're awesome. Anyway, all right, but even with all of that, even with all of that, and I think that's a foundation. The most important thing I think Paul shows us, practically speaking, about how to go about sharing Jesus is that evangelism starts with relationship, and you got to hear that. Evangelism starts with relationship, and that Paul didn't just share the gospel with these people and that's it. No, Paul shared his life with these people or out of love, Paul wasn't just about swinging into town to preach a couple of sermons, save some souls, and then on to the next town because he didn't care about their lives. No, Paul cared about these people so much that not only did he share the gospel with them, but he shared his life, which, by the way, seems to be what Paul did in every city he visited in that he just didn't stand at a distance or stand above people as someone in authority, but instead got down into the muck and mire with these people in their everyday lives and did life with them, right? Right? Friendship, love, all of that stuff was going on and it was while he did life with these people and he loved and cared for them for who they were that he was able to share his faith with the people who, by the way, at that point would have been willing to listen. So so I believe what all of this has to teach you and I today is how evangelism is not just about saving souls and walking away or about doing awkward things that none of us want to do or, or even willing to do, but instead it's about creating relationships. It's about loving people for who they are. Because when you do that, when you go about doing that in your day-to-day life, not only will those people get to experience the love of Christ through you by the way you love and care for them, you know, the the St. Francis quote that says, preach the gospel to all the world and if necessary use words, you need to do that. But that's also how you open the door to share something that has changed your life with someone you love and care about. Because ultimately, you want them to have what you have. You want what's best for them. Or to really bring this home, I want all of you to take a moment and think about how you came to faith. And I'm not talking about the particular moment when it happened, when you made that dedication. I'm talking about all the things that led up to that moment. Because my hunch is, most, if not all of you, found Jesus not because of a bullhorn guy or because of str- some strange and awkward conversation. No, you found Jesus because someone you loved and trusted, usually over a period of time, shared with you how Jesus changed them. Shared with you what Jesus meant to them. They, they modeled who Jesus was by the way they lived their life. And then because of that, you said, yes. So, from, from what I can tell, from my understanding of all of this, what it looks like for you and I to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is, you know, the, the great commission, if you will, is we are to go out and make friends. We are to go out and love. And when we do that, we have these incredible opportunities to take this thing that's in us, that has changed us, and share that with others come on now. Right? So, so or here, let's just put it in. So we can either do it that way, which is the way that Paul has been doing it forever and how this thing has continued to grow and grow and grow, or we can all meet here at 1.30 this afternoon <laughs> and go door to door. But here's the one thing. We can talk about this stuff, but nobody likes to do evangelism, even if we put it in that sense. But you need to understand part of what it means to be a Christian is not just you getting what you need. Part of being a Christian is you take that part of you, that that part of Christ that is in you, and you share it with the world. You share it with the world because that's what they need. That's what they're looking for. So I think we all need to get a little bit better at sharing this light that we have inside of us. Not in weird ways where we cram it down people's throats, but where we find the opportunity to share this gift that we have. Let us pray. Father, again, we we come to you, and yeah, evangelism is one of those things we have these awkward memories of, and we really don't want anything to do with it because we don't want to be a part of the weirdness. But help us to see, oh Lord, that's even in the beginning, as Paul went about doing his thing, Paul started with love, It was about relationship. And that because he loved and cared for people, it opened up their hearts for them to hear. And not only just hear, but to see your love and your grace lived out right in front of them. So Lord, help us as your people begin to think of evangelism in that way. Help us as your people to think about evangelism as not just something for someone else to do, but evangelism is what we're all called to do in our realm in our world by taking you, this thing that has changed our lives, and simply sharing that with others so they can have what we have, a deep and abiding relationship with you. So Lord, give us the strength, the courage to go out and do these things in your name so we can continue this work of transforming the world, of saving souls, of bringing life. It's in your name that we pray. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.